Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, May 28th. Hopefully you are listening to this after watching a couple of hours of French Open coverage while you are eating your morning Wheaties, getting your morning workout in, whatever it is you do to get ready for your work day or, you know, just your average Tuesday. Obviously, it's French Open time, Grand Slam season, all eyes in the tennis world turn to Paris. And obviously, we've had so much great tennis already. Today, we're going to be recapping the day two matches, previewing our day three action as there is a ton of great tennis ahead of us. Joining me to do all of that is my doubles partner, partner in crime, and the man I haven't even yet talked about the French Open with him, and sneakily excited to do this podcast with Maxwell LeBauer Rothman. Maxie, hey, great shot. See, it snuck out, and welcome to the mini break pod. <laughs> well, I don't think it's, you know, so sneaky considering you texted me saying I am low-key ecstatic to, <laughs> to hop on the pod tonight, uh, but I'm surprised as a, as a man who works for the government, uh, you know, that you didn't mention a little Memorial Day action, you know, salute to the troops type deal. And uh, I hope everyone enjoy their Memorial Days. I know that here in L.A. it was beautiful and sunny and uh, patriotic as all could be. Lots of American flags flying around. And um, it was a lovely weekend that, you know, today I got to wake up and joyfully watch some French Open tennis. So. Okay. A good host knows to leave some bunnies up there for his co-host to get him in stride from the get-go. So happy you got to mention that Memorial Day, as we, uh, as you mentioned, it's fun celebrating that. I was in Philadelphia this weekend, but to honor the holiday that is Memorial Day, Westoff, give me a Memorial Day sound effect, please. Maybe some fireworks. Uh, but yeah, you know, you talk about the Americans today, or just, I guess it being a patriotic day, I wish it was as successful in France for the Americans as it was for us celebrating this national holiday, because rough day for the Americans overall, as we often do on these tennis podcasts, Max and I are going to start with a couple of match breakdowns, really dive into the stats, but we are going to try and touch on all of the men's and women's results, if not comment on every match, at least list those. You ready to rock and roll, Maxie? That I am. Let's do it then. So the match I want to start with, a match that, while maybe not score-wise lies, the most compelling of the day, was certainly the most fascinating to me. French Open wildcard, uh, USTA French Open wildcard challenger winner, Tommy Paul, loses to, uh, he must have done something to offend the draw gods, I suppose, matches up with favorite in this tournament, number four seed Dominic Team, and to Tommy Paul's credit, he played an incredible match, had Team on the ropes in the third set tiebreaker, up 4-0, but unfortunately Team gets the better of him, he ends up winning the match 6-4, 4-6, 7-6, 6-2. Max, Tommy's a guy we have talked about, obviously, numerous times in our podcast history. And for listeners who may not be as familiar with Tommy, you may not remember his run a couple of years ago in Atlanta at the City Open. Last year, he ended the year so strongly at the challenger level, getting a title and making a final along the way. This year, he struggles with injuries out of the gate to start the year. But then he comes back, has so much success during that French Open wildcard challenge, winning a couple of challengers. And for him to show the level he did today, yes, it's disappointing that he lost, but he's one of my biggest winners from the first rounds. Definitely. And, you know, as a lot of you who are listening may have seen earlier, uh, TC Plus and the app was down. Uh, and so you, you were only able to watch whatever was showing on TV. So, uh, you know, this was one of the matches that I was lucky to get to watch because it, it was showing uh, on the television and, and like you said, you know, this is a guy that we've talked about for a while now, and his athleticism truly showed in this match. I mean, if you were watching these guys and, you know, had no names up on the scoreboard, had no prior history of who these guys were, I mean, you'd think both of them are, I mean, team being top in the world, but you'd think TP was right up there. And the things that I think just really stood out today were, you know, one, his forehand. I mean, he was winning many many forehand rallies against team and that's not something that you see often um but i mean more importantly i just i felt like he really was able to control points in a way that i wasn't expecting to um you know it, it was funny like there there were some serves where uh, you know tp was standing way back and kind of you know goading team to to hit to that backhand and it didn't matter he he was sticking to his game plan it was working uh and similarly TP was serving, you know, fairly well. There, there was a, a point even where uh, Dominic Team was standing so far back, and TP hit this kick serve where 
team literally hit the side wall because he was so far back and it kicked so wide. So, you know, the, the serving today for TP was also uh, really impressive. But I think the, the difference here for TP was just a, a few moments of, I don't want to say immaturity, maybe just uh, lacking experience against some of these top guys. It, it felt like he he had to do more than he needed. Um, and, you know, the reason he stayed so tight in this match for so long was that he was smart and, and didn't feel like he had to go for too much. But then there were those few moments where you saw and, and the commentators picked up on it and said, ah, there's that moment where he needs to be a little more steady. So uh, overall, great match for him. I know that was a long rant, but uh, I, I loved watching the tennis and it, it was super fun to see TP compete at such a high level. I wonder, I was doing a math, I think you said the term TP at least 13 times during that little rant, so I I guess that's the new Stevie, right, is TP. Um, yeah. It's easier than and, Tommy Paul. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's a really complicated it name, is. I agree. Um, Look, if I said yeah. Tommy Paul every time, that adds like 38 seconds to this podcast. We don't need that. Yeah. Could have said he. They invented the pronoun in about seven hundred twenty. It, it was it was very useful. At least they but identified it as the pronoun. In LA, they they only start teaching pronouns at around you know seventh eighth grade. They're not quite yeah. integrated into my vocabulary yet. In LA, they talk third person. Dude, Max Rothman totally digs that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said there. I do want to give a quick applause to the French Open website, and you mentioned the uh, the tennis channel app going down. French Open app has had some struggles along the way, but their website is flawless. The stats they provide, we get net points, we get winners, we get unforced errors. I would like distance covered as the U.S. Open has that, but that's just me being picky. I am a big fan of this website. So, Westoff, quick applause for them. But yeah, you look at the things Tommy did well in this match. Uh, makes 62% of his ser- first serves, wins 67% of those points, 66% of his second serve points. In a four-set match that Dominic team only got three breaks of serves on six break point opportunities, speaks to the fact that, as you mentioned, the way Tommy can really open up the court for himself with the kick serve out wide on the ad. I mean, he has so much court to play with, and, you know, if team, because team ended up, you know, as you mentioned, 10 feet back, kind of sitting on that ball, even if he found the Tommy Paul backhand, Tommy's plenty comfortable going down the line with that shot able to redirect the ball obviously set up the serve plus one forehand another thing that you mentioned he did so well you know in this match he only came to the net 19 times converting 11 of those opportunities but that's kind of a testament to team just bashing the hell out of the ball pushing Paul uh, backwards in the court but look 43 unforced or 43 winners 34 unforced errors that's a good ratio for Tommy it was an outstanding level it speaks to the fact and it you know he's a former junior French Open champion obviously a guy who has had success a little bit on the ATP 250 500 level so we've seen this before but this just continues to confirm if he can stay healthy throughout the season upside is finishing the year in the top 100. Oh yeah, I think there's there's no question that uh, he's going to end up in the top 100 in, in you know by the end of the year. And one other stat that I just want to point out uh, before you can take us to the next match, the the speed on the serves, max speed for each of them at, at 130, but their average first serve speed at 109 for Team and 101 for Tommy Paul. That that just goes to show how often these guys were just throwing in these kick serves. I mean, they're 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 very similar in the way that they like to throw those in as first serves, and uh, you saw it a lot in this match. So just kind of an interesting, fun little uh, stat. I thought at. even more so. I think that speaks to the fact they like to play the angles. They both throw the slice yeah, out wide slice and well. to open up that T serve because they you know they're so confident in their plus one shot. They just want that opening. Both guys did do well throughout the serve. You know, both over fifty percent on both the first and second serves, and you know. Uh, team has six break points, but Tommy goes one of three, so it's not like either was really getting a ton of opportunities. Two quick seconds on Dominic team in our preview podcast, and this is because we haven't talked about this yet. I, I went out and said, look, as hard as it is to beat Djokovic or and Nadal back-to-back, I said all year team's going to win the French Open. That was one of my hot takes from the first pod we did in 2019, so I decided to stick with it. What did you think of his level in this opening match? Because four sets with a guy who hasn't had a ton of Grand Slam sets under his belt. And again, Tommy Paul up 4-0 in that third set. If he's able to close that set out, who knows what happens. Still not trying to, you know, what did you think of his level? Look, I, I think that he showed kind of the the level that he needs to play in order to make it through to the second week. I, I don't think this was 
any sign of him, you know, slacking, uh, for, for lack of a better word. But I, I do think that he's going to pick it up as the next few rounds go and his ability to, you know, after losing those first four points of the third set tiebreaker to come back, stay strong, uh, in that fourth set dominance. I mean, I do think that uh, his game looks good. He'll refine a few things and, uh, I, I'd be worried about him next round. I bet he comes out strong in his next match. Completely agree with what you said there. It's a first match, right? He's finding his legs and that he was able to dig out of a little adversity. Always going to be beneficial long term. But yeah, with that, let's move on to our next match. To me, one of the most fascinating matches of the day. One that always gets tennis Twitter up in arms, and it is Twitter Tuesday, so it's always nice to mention the, that part of the game. Uh, Serena Williams in her match loses a bad first set, six two, but then ends up just you know cruising in her next two sets, six one. 1-6-0 over, and I apologize if I mispronounce this, Vitalia Dyachenko. Uh, Maxi, you got to see more of this match than I did as I was flying home, but seeing the highlights, it was just the tale of two different stories. Yeah, I mean, I, I came into the match at around, it was late in the first set, and uh, yeah, Dyachenko was kind of pushing Serena around, and Serena wasn't really hitting her spots, and, and then all of a sudden, second set comes around, and opposite Serena's hitting her spots. Diachenko can't really do much. Um, there, there were a couple tight deuce games here and there. Uh, I think you know the the scoreline doesn't quite reflect the the level of play for throughout the the next two sets. But uh, yeah, I mean Serena started to take some of those returns early, the way that she always does, and uh, got aggressive again. And she, Serena looks like she's moving really well, which uh, is always good to see. You know, especially on the clay, you got to be moving well to to make it far in this tournament. And yeah, uh, it was it was just kind of your classic Serena beatdown, taking things early, not letting your opponent kind of get into the point. Uh, it, it was impressive to see, and uh, I think it kind of shows uh, you know her ability on the clay. And I'd be scared of her moving moving forward. One of the biggest numbers that I noticed in this match, uh, you look at the stat comparisons uh, just throughout. In set one, she goes 4 of 11 on the first serve, 36%. Five winners against 14 errors. The next two sets, she goes 7 of 13 on second serve points. 20 winners against 10 unforced errors. Yeah, it was two different Serena. She was much like Dominic Team. She's finding her range, finding her comfort zone. Again, this is not 2009 Serena. She's not crushing her opponents just surely by showing up. It takes her a little bit to work herself into these matches. And if you're looking, the most impressive thing is that she was able to do just that. Find her comfort range, nine aces, three double faults, make 60% of her first serves, win 75% of those uh, first serve points. Yeah, she's finding her range. And, I, you know, she's still, I guess it, it's too early to say this, but if she stays healthy, there's no reason she can't win the tournament. No, of course not. She's always someone to to have as a favorite. And I see, think... I would not call her a favorite. There are too many good players on the WTA side right now playing okay, well, well enough to beat her. But she's a contender, is what I would say. That's the difference now, right? Well, I mean, you said team, sorry to cut you off. You said team was a favorite, so in a similar fashion, sure. Serena is a favorite in that sense. Agreed. More a contender, a little bit than different. A a little bit different just because Nadal, there's no Nadal. You know, no one on the women's sure, side has won 11, 11 French Opens. Right. So it's like, it's different. When you say favorite on the men's side, you're literally like, people, if you don't say Rafa, they're like, okay, you mean Djokovic? And if you say someone else than that, they're like, you're just crazy. Right. I mean, that's for the uneducated. Fan, I don't need, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, that's um, just a little rant there. <laughs> but uh, look, Serena now has won 800 matches. She's 70 and one in first rounds. Uh, crazy. It, it, I mean, yeah, it. it it's ridiculous to think that, you know, she couldn't have a chance at this title. And, and I think I, I want to say she had the third best odds or fourth best odds to win the title um, on Bovada prior to the tournament starting. And so, look, at at this at her level in that match for the second and third sets, very hard to beat her. Right? You, you need someone who's going to change direction, slow, you know, slow down the, the pace at times, pick it up and, uh, you know, mix things around in order to, to take Serena down. So... Is there someone out there that can do it? Yeah, probably. But uh, you're, you're going to have to really play well to, to take her out. We didn't get to talk about this yet either, so another quick tangent. But when Benchich, I think she lost her first set yesterday, were you sweating a little bit? I, Benchich didn't lose her first set. 
uh, yesterday's match, Belinda Benchich. No, you're right, six one six four. But she was down yeah. a break in the second. You're right. You're sweating a little bit though, right? You're still monitoring. Oh, of course. I mean that that bet is you know. I me and Westoff had a little celebration text after Benchich won the uh, the first <laughs> round. So uh, that you can get Westoff to follow tennis is the most impressive part. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I'm I'm feeling good about her game and. Uh, has a, a pretty – I like her draw too. Good good draw for, for her to make it far in this tournament. So uh, we're, we're rooting for you, Benchich. Yeah, and we will continue to be monitoring that. Rothman's bets, I suppose, all tournament long. But, yeah, with that, let's move on to our ma- next match. Going to be flipping over to the men's side here. This one was a five-set barn burner. And, again, I'm going to note this every time because it frustrates me. It also makes me laugh. It is Twitter Tuesday. Whenever a five-set match happens, the amount of people who go see at Ben Rothenberg, this is why you can't get rid of five sets. It's literally like as though every five-set match that people enjoy is an indictment on his team take that it should be best three it's like again relejo por favor like it's unbelievable how some of these people just jump on him like relax can't we just enjoy the tennis you don't need to be like and by the way i'm enjoying the tennis and haha ben you shouldn't get to enjoy it because you don't like this format like relax people that being said well for big before Sorry, you go going, ahead. that Spanish right there, clearly you spent too much time with Laura this weekend. That, there's no other reason for that Spanish to come out. She, she, so I helped Eric. This is a little behind-the-scenes uh, look for the wedding, since I know that's what you guys want to hear about. But me being me, Eric, you know how much I love Eric. He is, we describe, you know, the best older brother one could ask for. He's the sugar daddy for me and Nick. He is, every, you know, so when he called me, I think we got there Friday, and he was speaking at the rehearsal dinner because he was one of the groomsmen. He was like, Alex, uh, can you help me? Or, like, I'm going to run my speech by you. You know, you do the podcast stuff. Blah, blah, blah. You think you're funny. Like, see, tell me what you think. And so he, he, we were going through it with Laura. And she goes, oh, it needs to be a little bit more discreet. And I go, oh, a little discreto, of course. <laughs> and that was just that was my long way of getting to that story. But um, uh, you would have you liked the poem, though, Rothman. I went with the classic Alex poem. And of course. Pr- There's no other way to do it for you. So, it, do you want? Can I go on a little tangent here about that? Or, yeah, I'm going to anyway. Sorry, it, it just because. Say, do, do people want to hear this? <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll put a poll out right, and they'll answer it by the end of this podcast, and we'll cut it out or not. Um, but yeah, it's a little more work for Westoff. So it, the uh, family of the groom wanted, you know, they just wanted to read all the speeches beforehand, kind of know what they were getting into, and they were so kind in helping everyone, you know, helping people out who needed stuff. So Eric sent them a false speech, but he was like, "No, I'm going to do something different." And so his opening line, and uh, I'm not going to tell you who wrote it, but you know who I am. I like to talk about myself. He goes, um, <laughs> "You know, the golds helped me out with my original speech." And to be honest, it was a little bit denser, but I want to have fun tonight. And he takes the speech card, throws it, and pulls out his other speech from his suit pocket and goes, kick back, it's time for Eric Uncensored. And it was just oh, the, the, the crowd. From there, he delivered it flawlessly. It's funny because I know that that is the, the first thing that came to your mind too, <laughs> to have him do that. It's such a you thing to do. Kick so, back. It's Eric Uncensored. Give me a so, fucking break. <laughs> so I would have be- lost it. The best part is because he, when he called me on Friday, he was like, oh, I, I want to do this improv, blah, 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 blah. blah. I was like, no, no, no. Trust me. You want to do a poem. Like, it's a different form. He goes, no, that's so sophomoric. You know, you can. And, you know, Eric's my harshest critic. He's like, I'm not trying to be a child up there, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Trust me. So instead, what I did is I just wrote out a couple and I texted to him and he goes, Okay, read a few more. He's like, like, yeah, do it. So it was really funny. And I, I, again, it it doesn't matter what the words are if they're not delivered well. And he killed the delivery. So it was a ton of fun. I can't wait to see the video of that. Oh, I'll send you the speech after. We can release it with the episode. That'll be the write-up. But so, getting back to the tennis. Five-set battle. Ben Rothenberg. Discreto. Great. Pierre Hughes-Herbert, one of our favorites as he is a double specialist, copies his doubles partner. Nicolas Mahout, who yesterday came back from two sets slowed down against Chechenato, gets the job done upsetting number 12 seed Daniil Medvedev, a guy I would say I thought could make a deep run in this uh, draw the way his draw had opened up. 4-6, yeah, now it is, uh, 6-3, 6-2, 7-5. Rothman, here's the stat I'm going to start with that I know will catch your attention. 62 of 87, 71% at the net for the doubles player Pierre Huzerbeer. 
Yeah, I, I mean, but don't get... call him a double specialist, right? Do not, because he's got skills. <laughs> I mean, look, he he left doubles for a reason. Uh, but yes, the you know the the fact that he came in that many times is just absurd. Um, but before before we get into that, Medvedev coming into this tournament had made a final, uh, an ATP 1000 final or semifinal, uh, a 500 final, and then loses four straight matches. Uh, so not the kind of confidence you want to have coming into this tournament. I, I don't mean to cut you off as well, but on that point, I think it was kind of a false stat to look at those early results in the clay season and expect Daniil Medvedev to just blow it out at the French Open because you look coming into this year, you know, he only had two wins on the ATP level on clay before this season, and his early success on the clay comes after an early loss in Indian Wells, an early loss in Miami. So he really had two, three weeks to sit back, prepare for the clay, have those sort of early results. And for me, what that just shows is you have to keep perspective with all of these results. So yes, I agree with you. It was not as shocking as I thought, you know, once I really sat back and thought about it to see him lose this match. Right. Okay. So I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I think if if anyone was expecting him to, you know, make it far, I, I don't think I, there was a part of me that really wanted to bet Air Ex- Bear uh, going into this match. I want to say Medvedev was, you know, like minus 400. It was, it was a pretty substantial line and I thought that was a little too high. Um, but you know, look, it Air Bear chose to to leave doubles to focus on singles, and uh, while you know a lot of his doubles game is obviously translating into his singles game, you know, coming into that eighty-seven times, he's clearly found a bit of a rhythm. And uh, the the thing for him also on the clay, he moves really well, and and I think you know as a doubles guy, you got to find your rhythm and your movement on the court, and uh, his ability to to move laterally well, but also move in. Uh, and make it into the net 87 times and be that successful was huge for him in this match. Also served fairly well, you know, 64% on the first serve, winning 67% of those points. Uh, you know, it just uh, overall a really solid performance from Air Bear and, and, you know, just to stay strong in that fifth set and, and pull out the break late uh, was huge for him. You use that word rhythm on the flip side for Medvedev. I think the thing Air Bear did the best was he kept Medvedev out of a rhythm. And you look at the stats, 29 winners against 50 unforced errors. It's hard to hit winners in general when your opponent is coming to the net so often because if you do hit a winner, it's a passing shot. You know, if you miss the ball, it's an, it's a forced error because Air Bear is coming in. So that kind of skews those. But for Medvedev, 5 of 23 on break points had so many chances on the Air Bear second serve and really punished that second serve when he could take control of the point, make it a battle of ground strokes, make it a physical match. Obviously, that's going to uh, benefit Medvedev, the, the full-time singles player. But yeah, credit to Air Bear. He slices, he dices, he takes returns early. He takes his chances going big down the line and tries to shorten points. I like the serve variety. Obviously, he's a serve and volleyer. He knows all of his spots, and he can hit all of them with ease. A really skilled player, and I think the most flattered I've ever been was when someone compared my game to his. <laughs> uh, not deservingly, uh, but well, Air- he he, had, he also has Eric Ruskin's eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does, and and you could say yours as well. Um, <laughs> but Herbert does have quite a test next round against Benoit Pair, who's been playing some really fantastic tennis. So we'll we'll see if that serve and volley action works against uh, Benoit, who's you know got those hands and can hit the angles. It, it might be a little bit tougher for. Uh, for Pierre in this match. I agree, and it's another player we will be watching as we move forward. But with that, let's move on to our next match. One of the weirder results of the day in terms of the scoreline, number 13 seed, Caroline Wozniacki who has not had the best of 2019s. Obviously, she came out earlier this year. Now she had rheumatoid arthritis, so that's something she's been dealing with and adjusting to as a circumstance. In her match first round, she uh, gets knocked out by Veronica Kudermatova, 0-6-6-3-6-3. Always hate to lose a match after you get a bagel. And again, it's a tale of two completely different matches because after that first set, Wozniacki's ability to just hit through the court, produce any sort of angle or just, you know, any sort of aggressive opportunity for herself just went away. Yeah, and two things before I jump into the match. Kale brought up the point of the 6-0 set in yesterday's pod and, you know, how big a difference that made. Um, you know, it's true. I think we've talked about this curse and I... Oh, my God. Look, 
you can oh my god me, but there is a, a huge mentality difference when you win a set 6-0. Look, Dimitrov was 6-3, 6-0, and Tibzerovich comes back and wins 3-6. and I mean, when you bagel someone, like like Kale was saying, your kind of fear factor of getting double bageled, you know, kicks in. You're like, holy shit, I got to kick it into a, a third gear, start, you know, picking up my feet, moving around a little more, and uh, you, you play a little bit differently. So I think there was a, a little bit of that there. Uh, another thing, you know, back to the Ben Rothenberg uh, point that you <laughs> made earlier and people coming at him, he, he made a comment uh, on Twitter about, you know, the 13th seed loses in the first round and people wonder why, you know, women's tennis isn't watched as much and, and you know, people lost their mind. They're like, you know, this is why, like, people don't like women's tennis and this is why your points suck. And I was like, oh, my God, this is insane but uh just imagine dealing with that i mean i'm sure he just ignores it and credit to him but it's i just think it's hilarious no i mean it's not funny it sucks but it's hilarious it it it, yeah it's funny and it sucks but i think this is part of what makes women's tennis fun is that yeah uh, you know the thing that we've talked about on the men's side forever is that we see the big three making the semifinals and finals of every tournament that we watch Uh, and and it's fun to see these next gen guys come out here and you know make some you know, make some noise and, and win some matches that you wouldn't expect. So uh, I think that's part of what it makes it fun. Hopefully, you know, people are watching a little more women's tennis because it is damn impressive. Um, and, you know, it, this was a match where if you tuned in, you know, second set after seeing that first set, you'd be like, oh, man, I'm going to continue watching and, and watch this play out because it, it was good quality tennis. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Wozniacki wasn't able to pull through. Well, part A, I should have said this earlier, show me the stats, by the way, of that 6-0 curse being real, and then I'll believe you. But until that moment, uh, I'm going to remain skeptical, much like I remain skeptical. I'm going to find them. Much like I remain skeptical, you know Fligner's curse of the 6-1 set as well. 6-1? So, you know, yeah, oh, that's his thing. So, apparently, you can't win the set 6-0, you can't win the set 6-1, you got to win it 2-2. That's the go-to score. Otherwise, you're in trouble. I like that. I mean, six one's fine though. You just you, you don't want to do six zero. Yeah, that's a stupid set. Well, a guy who would disagree with that, and the winner of our next match, Philip Kranovich, who gets a fifth set bagel over number thirty two seed and the only seeded American in the draw, Francis Tiafo. In this match, Kranovich wins six two four six six three three six six zero. And what this match just revealed to me, what yeah, you look at the post comments, Tiafo talked about puking during and after the match. And if you watch this match, watched throughout all the day, you just forget how physical these three out of five set matches can become how difficult it is to finish a point on clay because you know the movement the direction the pressure you have on your hips on every turn on just digging in your legs it becomes that much harder on this surface and I mean physically Tiafa just ran out of steam a bit at the end yeah before sorry before we before I comment on that I just I thought you were going to start uh, talking about the Kazmenovich Kudla match because Kazmenovich <laughs> won the first set 6 0, proceeds to lose the next two sets 6 7, <laughs> 5 7, and finally finds his rhythm back and wins 3 and 4 against Kudla. So uh, there's there's another little 6 0 moment uh, just to, to put that out there. But to talk Serbians about Serbians just owning the Americans today. Yeah, seriously, on our day too. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, but. Look, I mean, Tiafo, uh, the the line here uh, on Bovada, you know, had this pretty much spot on it. I, I think they actually had uh, Krajinovic as the favorite for for a time, and Krajinovic has had some some good success so far this year. Tiafo, though, this is a match where you got to win, and I know he. I mean, look, Krajinovic was just the fitter guy. Uh, and, and like you said, the, the physicality of this game, you'd think Tiafa was there and ready, and uh, he was just not as fit as Kranovich. And, and the 6-0 set at the end just clearly shows that he, he fell apart, uh, just not not there physically. It, it was sad to see because this is a tournament where I think a lot of people had high hopes for Tiafo after some of the success that he's had this year. Uh, and the draw, honestly, looked good for him. You know, it, it, it doesn't have too many i think he has a a good draw as far as his top seeds and it sucks that he wasn't able to to pull through and take advantage of it 
See, I disagree with you. I think physically that Tiafo was able to battle the way he did for four sets. And yeah, the fifth set, he did lose it a little bit at the end, but that was really when he went down a double break. It kind of just folded at that point. But that he was able to push Krajinovic the way he did the first four sets was so impressive. The thing that worries me, it will continue to worry me, and I know we've obviously discussed it before, the weakness is obvious. Serve to the forehand. It's so hard for him with his forehand backswing uh, when you attack that side with pace to not fire up a slice back. And for Krajinovic, he ends up going to the net 39 times in this match, wins 29 of them, uh, of those or 26 of those chances, gets 47 winners against 44 unforced errors. The patterns he went to so clear, you know, work Tiafo over, attack that forehand when Tiafo stretched. Now, Tiafo can do some amazing things on the run, but that does put pressure pressure on it and you look from him 42 winners against 62 unforced errors you just have to wonder how many of those came on the forehand side and again I if Francis Tiafo's upside is tremendous one of if not the most talented American player on tour I might argue Riley Opelka at this point surely by just some of the sh- you know stuff physically he's able to do but that's an argument for another time you're happy for Tiafo, or happy is not the right word. You know, you in, I enjoyed some of the things I saw out of him, but again, that's just something uh, for him to be seated, lose first round, whatever. But it's just the forehand, the way he lost, the way Kranovich targeted him that has me worried. Sorry for that rant. No, it's okay, and I want to quickly correct myself. I, I'm not sure what part of the draw I was thinking of, but Tiafo would have had to play Tsitsipas in this third round, and I think that was just a match that I would have loved to have seen, uh, given these two guys and, and where they're at. I'll but, watch Tsitsipas Krajinovic. Yeah, oh, that's going to be a fantastic match. The ball striking is going to be just so clean. Beautiful. Yeah, oh. Country club tennis. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, hopefully Krajinovic can can pull out a win against Carveas Benia, who is fantastic on the clay. Uh, and, you know, Tsitsipas with kind of a test against Delian, who's been playing some really good tennis. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, any, any final thoughts on the Tiafo forehand thing? Oh, no, it's it's just classic. Like, you, you know how it's going to play out. Everyone knows it. They're going to keep doing it. That's the part of his game that I think he needs to continue to work on uh, so that that isn't, you know, uh, a weakness for him. Well, I completely agree with you. Well, then, with that being said, there were a ton of matches on the ground that we want to talk about. Uh, you know, we can't cover all of them in depth, but real quick, I'm going to read through the women's first-round matches and the men's first. Rothman, if you have anything to say, you want to uh, just comment on them, and we'll go from there. Sound good? Yep. Let's rock and roll. Then the first women's match I want to start with, we mentioned uh, Wozniacki. We mentioned Serena. Uh, you look at Kiki Burton's the number four seed. She wins in straight sets. Kirstia in three sets. Kuzmova in straight sets over Cornet. Stozer in straight set. An upset today, number 18 seed Georgie loses 7-5, 6-1 to Kanepi. Ashley Barty knocks out American Jessica Pegula, 6-3, 6-3. Diaz a straight set winner, number twenty six seed Kanta a straight set winner, Jennifer Brady a seven six four six seven five winner over Yorovich, one of the matches I was able to see this morning as as I mentioned I was traveling. Uh, I love the level from Jennifer Brady, such a talented player. Nothing to add. No, I want you to keep going. Oh, okay. Um, then I will. Vekic, 23 seed, winner in straight sets. Zhang over Lepchenko, 1-1. One one. Mertens over Zidancic. Sorry, this is me just being tired at this point. 6-4-3-6-6-2. Davis over the other Pliskova, the other Pliskova. T- tremendous player in her own right, but I'm just trying to clarify. The unseated Pliskova, I suppose we'll say. Mm-hmm. Six two six four, Manila straight set winner. Alexandrova straight set winner. Sofia Kennan a winner in three sets. Uh, the French qualif- uh, wild card Perry a straight set winner. Peterson a straight set winner. Danielle Collins a straight set winner. Petkovic over Risk in three. Shelby Rogers over former Vanderbilt player Astral Sharma in straight sets. Bolsova, straight set winner. Sia, a three set winner. Uh, number 32 seed Sasnovich knocked out 8 6 in the third by Hercog. I forgot that the French Open one of the last sites without a third set tiebreaker. Thoughts on that? Wait, really? Yeah, one of the one of the last. Rem- I think it's the only one who, who held out. Oh, yeah. I like it. Hmm. I uh, what? I don't want to get in. I know I'm too tired. I was gonna say, I what's not in. to like about it? Well, uh, 
Yeah. I mean, look, you're a fan of club tennis, you know, no ad scoring, so I understand I like it. some sudden death stuff. I'm yeah. all about the sudden death. Yeah, I like those yeah. high-pressure-packed moments. And then our last two, Sivastova, the number 12 seed in straight set. Suaro Navarez, a 6-0 in the third winner. So, again, your curse is the joke. Uh, any final thoughts on the, on the women's round today? No, I mean, it, it, honestly, you got you to gotta start watching the women's tennis because it's really high quality and... Um, I, I do hope we get to see some some long third sets. I'm I'm a huge fan of that. It shows who's who's got the fitness and who can grind it out. I mean, one of the things I always forget about is just how overwhelming these first th- few days of the slams are. There's so much tennis so going much on. Tennis. One of my favorites is you go home, you check out the highlights. A lot of a lot of material for me when I'm riding the bike over these next couple of days. Definitely. All right, well then with that, let's get into the men's side real quick. Uh, you have number one seed Novak Djokovic, a straight set winner over Hubie Hurkacz. It's funny because just the way he took it. I mean, Djokovic just looks so good. It looks like the way a, a guy who wants to win this title should. Yeah, I mean, I, I forget who asked me. They were like, what do you think about the Hurkacz upset over Djokovic? And I was like, uh, probably not, but like that could be a good match. And then Djokovic just smacked him. So, yeah, yeah. It's, Djokovic did Djokovic. Novak rolls Rafa Nadal two seed rolls in straights over cracked interviews uh, former cracked interviews guest Yannick Hanifman. Sanga wins in four sets. Gasquet in straight sets. While Rinka in four sets. Chorich in four sets. Benoit Pair in four sets. Jill Simone in straight sets. Upset here, and I'm sure we'll talk about this one. Number 20 seed Denis Shapovalov loses to Tr- Struff seven six six three six four. Struff, one of the rare players who serves in volleys. Yeah, upset is the wrong word. Upset only they, by seed. <laughs> he knew exactly what I was coming for. I'm tired. I mean, I'm rushing home. Bovada, Bovada had. Uh, Chapo as the underdog here. And yeah. I, I think Kale said it. I texted him and maybe even you before this tournament started and I saw that that matchup and I was like, Struff, Struff has got this match. He's been playing well. As hate, as much as I hate to say that because I love Chapo and, and want him to succeed, I saw it coming a mile away. You know who else predicted that upset? Jamie McDonald on our Great Shot podcast preview of the top half of the French Open draw. So shout out to him. Moving through the rest of the results, Mutet, a straight set winner. Cuevas, a straight set winner. Yannick Maiden, a straight set winner. Jaume Munar, a guy we saw have a ton of success in the build-up of this, loses in four sets to Caruso. Upsetting, we're not going to get to see him later on or get to see him take out one of not the Not a result guys. I was expecting. No, that one hurt me a little bit. Um, Carreno Busta gets a win. Laxon in a win. Carp- you mentioned this earlier, but Carbeas Benya, straight set winner. Radu Elbot knocks out Tennis Sandgren in a very gritty 7-6-7-6-3-6-6-1 match. Just good match from tennis. That he lost both of those tiebreaks was kind of the kiss of death. Basilishvili, the 15th seed, been struggling all year long. He loses in the first round straight set. Uh, you have Lloyd Harris, a five-set winner over Rosal. Guido Pea, four-set winner. Uh, Alex Dimenauer gets a much-needed straight set win over Bradley Klon. Sasha Bublik gets a win over the young Rudolf Mulliker. And then the two results I want to end with. Two American results. Uh, unfortunately, they did not go the way for those fans of American tennis. Uh, Riley Opelka loses to a very hot dark horse pick. Christian, very sexy. No, a very hot dark horse pick in Christian Guerin, 7-6-7-5-7-6. And Dennis Kudla loses a heartbreaking, as you mentioned, 6-0-6-7-5-7-6-3-6-4 decision to young next-gen rising star, and I believe it was Indian Wells quarterfinalist Miomir Kesmenovich. Uh, obviously, for Opelka, seven six seven five seven six. If you've watched Riley Opelka, with all due respect, I'm not saying I'm not entertained at this point because he hasn't reached the Isner zone for me. But you know what you're gonna get. Uh, I guess we'll start. They're just what? What was the difference between these two in the match? I, for me, it was just Garen just that much more comfortable moving on the surface. He created himself just enough opportunities. Yeah, I mean, and that's what you have to do against a guy like Opelka and. And Garen, you know, who I, I see as a pretty good returner, uh, you know, did well in the games where he had his opportunities and, you know, he struck when he needed to. Uh, you know, the, again, Vegas knows what they're doing. They had the, the over-under at 39 games, uh, and they, they knew this was going to be a tight, you know, I could have told you before this match started it was going to be 6-7, 7-6, 7-6, whatever it was. Um, so, you know, Christian Garen did what he needed to do in the big moments when he had his breakpoint opportunities uh, you know, he pulled through. So I, I think, you know, a lot of people had high hopes for him before this tournament started, uh, not even knowing, 
you know who who he was going to play in that first round or or his second round. Uh, he does have you know a tough match against Vavrinka next round, but yeah, I, I think that could be tough for Vavrinka. He he's got to play well to to get through you know a, a pretty strong Christian Garin. Um, you know, looking at the stats really quick, so I don't want to talk about this match too much longer, but uh, Garen only had eight break point opportunities against Opelka, converted one of them. So um, that's all he needed. He needed one break and, and stayed strong in the tie breaks. You know, I I don't know if this is a curse, but I'm pretty sure if you lose two uh, set tiebreakers in a match, you're going to be very likely to lose the match. And yeah, that's what happened to Riley Opelka. Unfortunately, he could not get either of those breakers. He put himself in a position to succeed, and unfortunately, it just didn't go his way. But still, you're just taking a big summary from the clay season, I guess, in general. I love the way Riley Opelka is going to be able to compete on the surface throughout his career because his weapons simply just translate no matter what the surface is. Agreed. Yeah, I do you want to do this now? Real quick. Better upside on Clay. Francis Tiafo, Riley Opelka. Tiafo. I'll take Opelka. I'm happy. You want to do another bet on that? I bet Riley Opelka. Hmm. Hmm. Tiafo does better in French Open next year than Opelka. All right. What are we betting on it? Um, Steak dinner? Sure. It's a date. Uh, no, no, not a steak dinner. How about a uh, Frito Batitos? I'll get you the Frito oh. and the Batito. <laughs> I'm in for that. All right, totally down. Well, then our other match, as we mentioned, on the Kudla side, 6-4 loser. You know you know the deal on Dennis Kudla now physically as tough as any player on play. He's going to scrap. He's going to make extra balls. He's going to hit backhands down the line, keep you uncomfortable. But, man, I love the skills of young Miomir. Yeah, I mean, he he's talented. Uh, and before I, I yeah, I don't want to talk about this match too long because I know you're getting tired. I can see it in <laughs> your face. Uh, but Kudla in the French Open, uh, you know, on the website, his picture, he looks great. He he's got <laughs> this like nice white looking beard goatee type thing going. Uh, so just just have to you know me. I got to shout out the the nice facial hair. Uh, but yeah, Kudla, you know, tough match for him. Tough, you know, first round match. Uh, that was a battle. Like I, I, I don't want to know if you want me to break this one down. It's just sucks. I, could could have been playing some good tennis, and it would have been nice to to see him, you know, pull through. But because uh, Menovich, you know, has also been strong in the last few weeks, and uh, I think this was just one of those matches where it came down to to who was you know a little more clutch. That, that, yeah. That's where I would uh, I saw this match. Yeah, and I guess uh, for Miomir Kestemanovic, we will get to see plenty of him throughout the future, so it's certainly going to be fun to monitor his uh, rise, I suppose, through the ATP rankings because this is a guy already establishing himself in the top ATP Top 100. And yeah, it's just another of those next-gen collection of talents that we are certain as tennis fans to be entertained for throughout the you know the next 15 years but all right with that said i want to do one more thing before we hit twitter tuesday i want to preview our day three action a ton of Wait, great matches I, scheduled to can be I played stop oh, you yeah. really quick before you do that because there was a match that didn't get to finish uh, and Ooh. i'm not gonna be on tomorrow's pod and i, I harped on this on yesterday's pod the shardy edmund match goes uh th- this is a match that edmund wins the first seven six loses the second 5-7 wins the third 6-4 loses the fourth 4-6 four, and they're at 5 all before getting stopped um, and this is you know a, a match that I said Chardy is going to win Edmund who hasn't been playing good tennis uh, so they're going to be you know first on I think tomorrow uh, and the funniest part is that Bovada actually has odds on them right now uh, they have Edmund plus 125 and Chardy minus 150 so you know with I guess, you know, a bunch of games that could be played considering the tiebreak thing. Um, it, this It's a super weird thing to start at five hall in the fifth, but uh, definitely, you know, if you can be awake for that, that'll be an interesting match to watch. Edmund, Tsitsipas, Medvedev, the, the hills I've been dying on since Cracked Rackets, or since the Great Shot podcast became a Cracked Rackets entity. I will continue to die on those three hills, as well as Hyun Chung, I suppose, on the ATP side. And, you know, I'll always ride with CC Bellis and my crew on the WTA side. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like that comment. I think Kyle Edmund, it's just been such a struggle for him all year long. What, that match is 5 all in the fifth, you said? 5 all. Yeah, it's, I mean, one break early on. you got to come out guns blazing. Definitely a fun one to watch. So beyond that, though, give me the matches you'll be watching closest tomorrow. Give me your top three. 
uh, Nishioka Mackey, number one. Of course, must-see TV. And, and Mackey, you know, an underdog here, you know, according to the to the betting lines. So, I, I don't know. that That's going to be really interesting. I, I hope that Mackey can pull that one out. Uh, Fritz Tomic, I mean, what the hell is that match going to be? I, I have no idea if Tomic's going to hit some underhand serves. We've seen a lot of those this year. People are saying it's the year of the underhand serve. Uh, you know, who knows what Tomic's going to do. Lots of drop shots. Uh, hopefully, Fritz can keep up his good clay court tennis uh, and pull that one out. Uh, Zverev Milman, I think, is low-key going to be a thriller. Zverev, who had some tight three-set matches uh, in, in his title run last week, could you know see another tight couple sets here with Milman, who just freaking grinds. That dude just runs all over the court. Uh, so that, that'll be a fun match to watch. And then the, the last match, which I think you need to be watching, is the Yeri Delpo match. Yeri has been playing really good tennis. Uh, is playing a Delpo who's still kind of fresh back in the game and back into these Grand Slams. And uh, not saying there's going to be an upset, but this could go four or five and it's going to be tight. So definitely watch out for that one. I don't even know if it's an upset just given how little of Delpo we've seen this year. But yeah, that's going to be a high level of tennis. Three other matches I'll mention real quick that you didn't. Blas Rola, the former Ohio State NCAA singles champion against another young next-gen talented player, Mikhail Yimmer. That's going to be a fun one. And then on the WTA side, Sabalenka, Sibolkova, Ostapenko, Azarenka. Ostapenko, two years removed from winning this French Open title, feels like a lifetime ago for her. Obviously, she's still a very young, very talented player, so... That's going to be a fun one to watch. It's going to be some great tennis tomorrow. As always, very much looking forward to it. I'm definitely excited for the Sabalenka Sibulkova. That, that's going to be some high quality tennis. I'm, I, I love Simona Halep just irrationally, and her versus Tomjanovic is an, another. I mean, it's not that fascinating of a match. I think Halep's going to move through pretty comfortably, but I would say her, Benchich, those are probably my two picks right now to win this title. Wow. Hot takes, maybe? No. It's not a hot take. They're like top <laughs> 10 seeds. It's like, if I said Tom Janovich is my favorite, then it's like, oh, uh, you really are tired. Um, but all right, with that being said, it's a Tuesday. It's something we do on every mini break on a Tuesday. I, unfortunately, did not get a chance to monitor that closely. But Max Rothman, I know you have a few takes to give us. So, Westoff, if you could, give me the Tennis Twitter Tuesday sound effect, please. All right, I'll keep this brief. But there were there were a few a few good ones on tennis Twitter. The first, Djokovic. Uh, there's a little video of him that, that's circulating Twitter. He not during, too bad, not too bad. Uh, but can, can we get a not too bad sound effect, please, uh, Westoff? Not too bad. But we there's a little video of Djokovic do, doing his. Uh, I think it was like a warm up, or maybe he was just training in, in one of the gyms at uh, at Roland Garros and. He was doing this thing with a medicine ball where you kind of throw it down in front of you, work out the triceps, and he broke the floor. Like, literally, <laughs> like, the wooden part of the floor underneath the mat fell through. Uh, so, you know, Djokovic clearly has been working out uh, as he as he b- literally broke a floor. Sick. Uh, so that, that was funny to see on Twitter. Uh, our, our fan favorite, Brad Gilbert, uh, posted a, a little thing on twitter he goes funny thing just happened picking up food at v's in malibu you know that's that's always fun to see when i when i know where he's at uh <laughs> saying they were showing rear of fed match and some guy he met read that fetter is the only player to play in the 99 french open that is still playing he says it's not true bets him 20 bucks and easily takes it because serena um i think and venus both played in the 99 French Open. So uh, regardless, the fact that those three are the only ones that played in the 99 French Open still playing is fantastic. Love to what see What about it. Bob Bryan and Ivo Karlovic? I believe they were in it as well, right? No, I, th- I think that was the interesting fact was that they weren't in that 99 French ah. Open. Yeah. Um, so I think those three were the only ones. Make, correct me if I'm wrong, people listening. I, uh, as far as I know, it is just those three. Um, and last one. That uh, that I just thought was funny, you know, the, as you were saying, cracked interviews, uh, interviewee Yannick Hoffman uh, said in his post match interview, you know, 
asked if it'd be nice to say that he played Nadal at Roland Garros one day. He goes, you know, maybe not right now, in a couple days, sure, in a couple weeks or years, of course. Uh, he goes, I tried to play some lefties and told them, hey, maybe you should try and be like Rafa a little bit, but but nobody can be him. And it's just, you know, <laughs> funny considering, you know, you, you try and find some guys to prepare for a guy like Rafa. You just can't. Good luck. Yeah, yeah no, can't. seriously. Yeah, easy to replicate that forehand. That's why so many people can do it. No, yeah. Uh, one I'll throw in real quick. Shout out to our very own Jamie McDonald. It's a little self-aggrandizing, but got the Indomitian Sue retweet. That is baller. The, I, oh, I, I can't believe I didn't bring up the – so that was another thing that was all over Twitter. They brought Sue into the, the booth and they asked him about Nadal's game and pretty well spoken about tennis. You know, talked about the change in direction and his, his lateral movement. And, uh, you know, look, athletes, they, they know what's up. Real recognizes real uh, and, and sweet to see him as a tennis fan. You play in Dabakung Sue. What do you think your score is? Oh, no. I knew you were going to say that. I wouldn't win the first set 6-0. He might get uh, nervous or whatever, and then he'll yeah, break may- you, right? It's may- a curse. Maybe I give him a game 6-1 just to make sure that I solidify the second set win. I'm giving him at least three games a set. That is a big moment. I mean, that's my Detroit Lion. I've seen what he's done to Aaron Rodgers' helmet. He steps on you, so be careful, Rob. And he... <laughs> easily step on you but all right with that being said as we mentioned it is french open week and all eyes are turned there so if you miss any of our content check out our website crackedrackets.com we'll be keeping you all updated all week long with you know social media updates twitter instagram facebook podcast galore gsp preview as i mentioned already out if you want to go check that out but obviously our mini break will be coming with you every day i'm sure the what the deuce guys will be doing stuff also if you missed anything from the college season want to check that out go check out our cracked interviews we had so many great college players come on throughout the year a lot of that content holding up still so well now so we really think if you like college tennis you miss it already you know you're having withdrawal go check that out to get your fix uh maxi any any final thoughts before we wrap this bad boy up besides the fact that we're still watching the first round after three days no that is just craziness I don't know. I needed it spread out. I'm tired, man. I, it's a lot. Again, it's overwhelming. And like for me with the wedding, I'm like, yes, I get to buy myself an extra day. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Even though it's still two weeks, I don't know what extra day. But all right, with that being said, shout out to our super producers, as always, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, who have a f- of an editing job to do. As I mentioned, stick with us all week long. Like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast, The Great Shot Podcast, Crack Interviews Podcast, What the Deuce. Get yourself a chance to win some free Crack Rackets gear. But with that being said, for my wonderful co-host, Maxwell LeBauer-Rothman, for our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, and from our entire team at Crack Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Maxie, what do we tell our fans? That's a break. And we will see you all after day three. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.